and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We're equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Michael Lockstamp for, and we sure have had an encouraging couple of weeks. Pastor Ryan hosted a block party, and he had more than 60 friends, neighbors, and coworkers come out for a cookout. Now, that might sound like a lot of people, and that might not sound very spiritual. But members of Grace Church are called to intentionally connect with everyone God has placed in their life. And what better way to connect than over an awesome barbecue? This intentionality means we make space and time for people to meet together in order that God might create opportunities for spiritual conversations about Him. We had a great time connecting at this party, and last week we got to celebrate a baptism. Our new brother Jack decided to turn his life over to Jesus and follow him by being baptized at Kearney Island Conservation Recreation Area. Yes, we have a baptismal pool inside our church building, but just like the block party, we believe God wants us to show everyone around us that we choose to follow him. That's why we baptize at a public beach. And that might sound a little bit extreme, but Pastor Todd McQueen is going to share today about the extreme lengths that Jesus went to in order to provide shelter from God's wrath. Now this provision is for everyone. Jesus purchased our gift by meeting his father's demands. And that was not a low bar. Pastor Todd starts by talking about a giant machine. And there are pictures of this along with links to the scripture passages, links to our website and information about the music we use in the episode description. Let's listen in together to Pastor Todd McQueen as we explore a massive gospel collision. gospel collision. We've been working through Romans to set up our theological or faith base camp. When you go to base camp, you got to set things up and you got to get things good because if you're going to explore from there, you have to start from a place that gives you shelter, water, etc. Because when we go camping, if you don't plan for these things, they do not turn out well. Especially this week when you go and you want running water and you're so thankful for the Stevens. I didn't even get a reaction out of Tommy. Anyhow, thanks, Tommy. So, we've been talking about base camp, and this morning we're going to talk about a collision. Now, when I say the world's largest machine, what comes to mind? My dad was a railroader for 43 years, and he was pretty well convinced that the railroad was probably the biggest machine on land. That mile-long, big old train. And you think, have anybody been to a port when they uh, unload those great big ships? And you see how many of those boxes come up off out of those? Those are really big. But the world's largest machine sits beneath the surface of France and Sweden, or Switzerland, about 300 feet below ground. And it cost about $9 billion. It's called the Large Hadron Collider. Now, what you see there are the tubes. There's approximately 9,600 super magnets that line this tube. That's seven miles around. So what they're trying to do is fire protons in opposite directions on these tubes. Fire one, fire the other one. Now it takes a couple months 
But all these magnets pull this beam up just below the speed of light. And it creates so much heat that it's about the same temperature as the surface of the sun. Now these beams get flying. And then when they hit each other, they're like, what's going to happen? Because that's what we do when you do science stuff. You're like, what's going to happen? They don't know. There's all these theories that could be a miniature black hole or something. But the thing is, there is so much going on in this that when they built this thing, they wanted to collect the data for this collision. Well, no one computer can handle it. So they get one computer connected to another computer and to another computer to analyze all this data. And they called it the, the web. The analyzation of the data is the birthplace for what you all happily went to this morning to check your Facebook account, the World Wide Web. So the world's largest machine, in order for scientists to understand what happens when two protons collide with one another at nearly the speed of sound, the byproduct happens to be ocalagrace.org. Shameless plug right there. But this is an just an amazing collision that takes place. So this morning, how in the world is there in a collision when it comes to the good news of Jesus Christ? Well, turn to Romans chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 21. Romans chapter 3, verse 21, page 779 in the Story Bible. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. But now. Why the but now in Romans 3? Last week, we are all guilty before a perfect judge. The wrath of God is coming and we're all guilty. But now is a transition for 63 verses of God's wrath. That's a whole lot of wrath. This is our second week of dealing with God's wrath. There is a lot that God says in here about, hey, we're all guilty. We all fit into these categories. And what is the height of God's judgment for our sin? Remember, he's the judge. He handed this over to it. You want to idolize yourself? You want to worship yourself? Good. I'll give you over to homosexuality and male homosexual and female lesbianism. If you want to give you over to yourself and you want this God's judgment on your life because you reject God and you want to worship yourself, here's slander, here's gossip, here's all these things, maliciousness. And we went through that list last week and it was like, when's he going to get to the good news? Well, we got 63 verses of this. And by the time we get to the end of it, every single one of us can check a mark in there. Paul makes the argument, just because you judge others, you're guilty of qualifying yourself as being judged. If we're taking honest assessment of our life without Jesus Christ in it, there's a whole lot of sin. Then how do we deal with that? Well, 63 verses says God's wrath is coming. But at Romans chapter 3, verse 21, but now... Highlight that puppy. That is a huge transition. But now, since then, we are all guilty and we're all suffering for what will be God's oncoming judgment because we deserve it. God's wrath is coming. I remember last week it was a storm shelter. Where are you going to take shelter in this storm? 
And the harshest verses in Scripture precede the but now. That's why we read them this morning. Romans 3, 9 through 18. No one's righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. Look at me for a second. Who is excluded from that verse? No one. But you say, wait, what are you saying? I'm pretty good. I haven't been that bad. The Bible is categorically incredibly specific. Without Jesus in your life, you have sinned, and therefore you're guilty. And you have a perfect judge who will judge you. But now, the righteousness of God has been revealed. Let loose. Remember in our study, in the beginning of Romans, that creation revealed God's character, that what could be known about God can be seen in it. On your ride in this morning, on your trip to the Grand Canyon, to Niagara Falls, to the blooming, beautiful Cayman Islands, or to scuba dive off the coast of Venezuela, I heard last week that that's supposed to be the number one spot. To go down there and look at a coral reef and say, God, look what you can do. And he says, in that re revealing of myself to you, you are guilty. You know enough about me that you're guilty. But here we see the, there's a manifestation, manifestation of God's power in salvation is revealed in faith. It's, see, it's against the incredibly dark backdrop of how guilty we are and how righteous God is in his perfect judgment that the good news is so beautiful. While creation evidences you're guilty, the cross evidences here's the payment for that sin. The payment is legally liked going from a status of guilty to being you have been rectified in a manner that satisfies the perfect judge. That's the cross. While the Grand Canyon is enough to convict you, the cross is enough to set you free. And it's that amazing but now that Paul is going to go through. But but now, since therefore you're guilty. So you move from guilt to a gift. Move with me to Romans 3. We'll start in 21 and go through 25. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This will just show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So Romans 3, 21 through 25, righteousness of God revealed. Basically what he's doing here is restating his thesis. Romans 1, 16 through 17, the gospel, the good news. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to for faith. It is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul is like saying, hey, I'll start with the good news. 
116 through 17. Then I'm going to give you 63 verses of really bad news. If all I did was I tried to preach these two sections with a little good news at the front, then bad news, then we start with bad news and go to good news. Kind of what Paul did here. Because nobody goes to a movie where the lead character dies in the first five minutes and says, go home, thanks you for your money. But Paul is restating his thesis. Here is the good news. And by the way, how many of us know people that it would take 63 verses to say you're guilty? Over and over again. Uh, you work with teenagers and it'll take 163 squared power of two. Or my mom with me was probably worse than that with some exponential equation. We're hard-headed. We don't think it. We think we bring something to the table. We think that once we sit in a chair, we can pick it up. I got this. Did everybody get a kick out of the kids at least trying? But you knew as adults, oh, that's a, that's a fool's game. But how many of us play that game? But God gives this gift. Righteousness is revealed at the cross. Because it is offered to everyone who believes. In our Bible reading guide, you guys pick one up in the entryway, and you go through there, and this is a whole lot what you study at home before you get here. And there was a hard question in there. God takes an incredibly hard stance on things in our society today that we don't worry about. If you're this, you're guilty. And we ask some point-blank questions in there. But God's salvation is open to everyone. Who's exempt from that? No one. Everyone. So the good news is open to everyone. But it is in this good news that the righteousness of God is revealed. The God of wrath is being revealed. Let's look at five ways in which the God's righteousness has been manifested, made clear, or revealed publicly. Jesus literally fulfilled Leviticus 17.11. That's why we read Leviticus 17. When, somebody, when you look at the cross, why do we have to have a cross? Why do we got to have Jesus' blood? Well, you know, there was these Romans who didn't like them, so the most convenient way of execution was the cross. Kind of, but God works on principles that he's always had. You sin, there's a blood sacrifice. Where does that idea come from? Leviticus 17. So if Jesus is going to make atonement, make a sacrifice for your sin, whose rules is he playing by? The Romans or the God the Father? God the Father. That exists because of Leviticus 17. Your Old Testament is not dead. It's not for dusty old Jews that don't use it no more. That is the re Leviticus 17 is for that. And I'm pointing at the cross. Because God says, you sin, something's going to die, something's going to bleed. And here's the rules for it. Jesus said, hey, uh, I'll go do that. And how did, where, this connects also why we read Hebrews. Because what is the hard part about the law and the blood sacrifice? They had to do it every year. If you don't hear anything else from me this morning, remember that most of the parties in the Old Testament are joyous celebrations. There was one time a year called the Day of Atonement that was really pretty bad. 
Make a solemn assembly. It's going to be horrible. You're going to think of all your sins for the year. And this is a big time of year when you're going to sacrifice your favorite sheep that you've raised. Like Pastor Michael said, how many of you would love to have come to Grace Church of Canada this morning with a sheep in the back of the truck? Well, Frank went live, probably got his truck dirty. Why don't we do that every Sunday? Because Jesus said, I'll do it one time, one time only. I'll make a payment so great my Father will accept this for the entire world. Because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He qualified. Once and for all, the perfect sacrifice for us. Hebrews 10. And Jesus made the last payment, the last sacrifice. That's why you didn't have to bring a lamb today in the back of your pickup truck or in your car. And Jesus, this all reveals the Father's righteousness in the good news. Do you see where this collision is coming? A wrathful God who is perfect in his judgment is requiring a blood sacrifice. Jesus says, here, I know the rules. I help write them. I'll make a one-time payment for all of them. And he qualified. But Jesus is also, when he rose from the dead, we know from Romans 1.4 that this is how he was declared as God. Because no other sheep had raised from the dead and went back for it again. Thankful you weren't a sheep back then, huh? Well, when Jesus rose from the dead, in that raising from the dead, he was declared as God. And we know from Hebrews 10 that once he rose from the dead as God, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And we also know that Jesus will be revealed again. So Jesus' first revealing at the incarnation was to make a, death, make a uh, sacrifice for your sin. When he rose from the dead, hey, that's God. That's in a complete payment. He did a good job. Never have to have another one again. But Jesus is also going to be manifested again. That's when he returns. That's when he makes a comeback. And it's not a lamb that's going to be slaughtered. This is the king of kings, lord of lords, who comes down with a big old sword and conquers it all. Also revealing God's righteousness. But in this declaration, in this manifestation of God's righteousness, we sit right there and Paul reminds us in verse 23. It's so awesome because all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Because our sinless Savior died. And in his resurrection, God the just judiciously judiciously declared us vindicated or innocent in his court of law. Because Jesus paid our fine, he served our sentence, and in verse 24, he incurred God's wrath. All 63 verses of that God's wrath, where did that come landing down? Right on Jesus' shoulders. And never forget Jesus fought his way to the cross. We do some pretty cool things for our friends. 
Jojo will drive three hours north just to surprise us. Thanks, Jojo. To lay down your life for someone who does not even know you. I'm not talking about a worthy friend or a cool act of kindness or random act of kindness or even a cool paying it forward idea. I'm thinking dying for someone who hates you, who doesn't know you. He fought his way to the cross with you and I in mind to make a payment for you that would cost him his life. He voluntarily laid down his life for us. I can't get over the, this, the songs that Pastor Michael has picked this morning and thinking of my Savior. All of God's righteousness and all of our guilt for all of us have sinned. Standing before the righteous God who can perfectly judge us and all that wrath. But God has declared us vindicated because Jesus received all of the Father's wrath. Do you see where the cross now comes over? That picture of the wrath and the judgment. And finally, this all has to be accepted by faith. If I can literally transfuse this idea from me to you this morning in such a way that it influences your life and makes Jesus so palatable that you can taste it like you're thinking of lunch, I would do it. But there's something of which God the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, because of the work of the Son, is going to do a work this morning in this room because of this good news. You have to be the active agent to receive what God is offering to you through a gift. Because God has taken the proactive step to meet your need when you didn't even know it was there. And you meet you in a situation which you were all of us, me included, Everyone who's taken a breath is guilty. But the bottom line, you can sit here this morning and say, wow, that's some cool God stuff, and I think I've experienced that before. I can give mental assent to it. I can say, yeah, that's true. But faith is a, wow, it's a, it's a powerful word. Do you believe? Do you have faith in that? And faith is not something to which you sit in your chair and say, okay? Faith is proactive. Because remember the end of Romans 1, 16 through 7, the righteous shall live by faith. It is something to which it goes in your head and comes out your hands and feet. So receiving Jesus Christ looks like what you look like tomorrow at work. Your faith looks like what it looks like with whom you are having life with. Your wife, your husband, your kids. That faith affects all of that. Do you have shelter from God's wrath? The cross is that offering of shelter this morning. Move with, move with me to our last verse of the morning, verse 26. It, Jesus and the cross, 
God's righteousness revealed, was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The just and the justifier. This is God's righteousness is revealed in him being the just, perfect judge, and the justifier. Revealing his righteousness this day, this morning, in this room, by reading his word and acknowledging what Jesus did at the cross and what his word says about that. That's been revealed today to you, to me, to all who can hear my voice. Because God is just. He punishes sin. Perfectly just. No bad, bad guy ever gets away with it. If you're on the bad side of this just, you don't like this sentence. But whatever has happened into your life where injustice has been a part of your life and it has come rushing through your door and broken through the barricades of everything you put up, you can't lift the chair where you're sitting on it, but the perfect judge will make that just someday. So on one hand, it's good news. On the other hand, is oh, my squealing dog impersonation. But he's also the justifier. The perfect judge can only pay the perfect price. God is both the just and the justifier. It's the ultimate collision. Jesus and God the Father. Think with me for a second. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are sitting around the round table wherever they sat before the creation of the world and said, hey, let's build a, let's do creation. Let's do earth and the whole universe. And Jesus, according to Colossians, says, oh, okay, I'll do that. I'll start singing, and boom, when I give him the whole universe. Wow, that looks pretty cool. Man, yeah. And all the angels are watching this and everything, and they're like, cool, check out what they just did there. But Jesus can sing a hymn. Then they get Adam and Eve, and Jesus goes down there and says, hey, we're going to make Adam, we're going to do the ultimate sculpture. I'm going to put everything about you together, and I'm going to kneel down. I'm going to breathe into his mouth. comes alive. Woo! All the angels and everybody are watching around saying, man, that's some cool stuff. Look at that cat go from clay to a walking atom. So we watch him for a little bit. Oh, man, something missing. Yeah. Let's give him Eve. Oh, that turns awesome. And Adam's like, woo! Talking about a marriage ceremony. Then they sin. The world implodes. You know that story. Have you thought about the story when Jesus sat with the Father and they said, you know where this is going to go? Jesus says, yeah, I'll do the creating thing. Father, you know where they're going to go with this? Yeah, I'll do that. Father says, okay, I'll send you. you do that. But I'm going to tell a love story to everybody that I've created, that I love them all. And the Holy Spirit's like, how are we going to record that? And the Holy Spirit's like, I got that. 
I'll write a book. Here we sit this morning. The just and the justifier collide at one time. That God had worked together in only the way they could for Jesus to pay your price and also to love you enough to rescue you for wherever you were, wherever you are, so that we could live then by faith. Because Jesus purchased our gift by meeting his Father's demands. From the creation, way before, Jesus said, I'll pay the price for that. I said, you know what my demands are? Got it. So this morning, are you without shelter? God the just will be just. Do you know the justifier? Jesus. Do not leave this morning without really pouring over this idea. What does that really mean for you? Is it because you've heard it in your entire life and you love the fact that you can get you some Jesus on the cross and things will be better and I'll go to work on Monday? Or is it because Jesus paid for me, bought me, redeemed me, and I live in his shelter to be able to go out into the world and share that good news by my mouth, by my hands, and by what I live and with whom I live? Because if you believe in the just and the justifier, God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, does it affect your life? Does it look like how you're married? Does it look like how you go to work? Does it look like how you even take care of your lawn or the neighbor's lawn? Because this affects everything. The selfish way of looking at it is I have a sin problem and I'm just going to go to God and get that taken care of. Jack, we're so excited. The last Sunday here in about two hours, we're going to be a week away from celebrating your baptism. But the public declaration of your baptism was public. We got to share that celebration with the whole beach to see. Why am I so excited about baptisms? Because they're public. I love doing them in public. Because somebody there is going to say, why are you all doing that? Because our faith in Jesus Christ has to connect with tomorrow morning when the alarm clock goes off. With those living in your house, drive you nuts because they're people. People at school. Because God's offer, Jesus' gift to them is available to everyone. Will you share that good news this week? With whom? Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.